I'm Hannah Trum, and this is Hypocritical, a podcast from Palbox where we discuss security, technology, and compliance news with healthcare industry leaders. We are big fans of email AI and the possibility this technology brings to the world of healthcare and security at Palbox. What we learn and experiment with now can shape the future of cyber and information security for the better and provide a more useful patient, provider, and cover entity experience. In a prior episode of Hypocritical, I picked the brain of founder-CEO Hoala Grevy on email AI. And then at a recent Zoom social mixer, this subject came up again. So it's only fitting to finish out Cybersecurity Awareness Month with a podcast guest who can explore the topic of email AI through the lens of the C-suite. Sue Bajaj is the Chief Technology Officer at Compex Legal, a client-centric record retrieval organization. She brings years of experience to the table that has shaped how she views cybersecurity, and that includes how and why AI can fill the gaps. Hi, Sue. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on this episode of Hypocritical. How has your cybersecurity approach evolved over the course of your career? Hannah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be on this podcast. So I think especially in healthcare, I don't think there was much, uh, as much concern, you know, around it. I don't think there was much end user education. I think the focus was typically, um, you know, don't, don't share. I remember being on our change management committees and we were careful about sharing HIPAA and really focused on HIPAA violations and and things like that. But I think Mm -hmm. over time, uh, you know, we evolved into everything is closer to zero trust you know, you start to assume that there's no network edge and you really mm-hmm. start focusing on um, how to make the user experience seamless so that HIPAA is embedded, HIPAA security and, and cybersecurity is embedded in everything they do, um, sort of without them knowing. I mean, mm-hmm. there's definitely an education factor here, but I think where we started from and where we've where we've landed, almost two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sort of the, the last part of that, I think, is, you know, the bad guys have been pushing us, right? They've been pushing us for a long time. We Definitely. See, we see breaches. Um, and, and I think that's really evolved cybersecurity in our world, you know, in the, in the medical data space. Do you find that the cybersecurity issues that we are facing in the medical space are because end users are bogged down with hard-to-use technology, or is it more of an education source? So I think it's I think it's end users. I think it's infrastructure teams. I think it's it's a combination of things. I think that it isn't necessarily as seamless as you know we'd all want it to be, where it's easy to detect, find, um, et cetera. And I think it's not as easy to also drive behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you're you're just constantly reminding folks not to click on links or. Yes. Or, you know, not to go to suspicious sites and then you end up whitelisting, you know, I mean, blacklisting sites and you have to whitelist carefully. And so um, I think it's, again, a combination of uh, simplicity, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we get end users to interact with us in a simple way that's compliant um, so they know better, they think twice about clicking on a link. And then more than thinking twice, it's like they report it. Right, see something, say something. Yes, but say something interaction needs to be really simplistic. It's mm-hmm. that little hook on your email that says "report this, report this message." Um, and then the second part, really, for infrastructure teams, I think, as you know, we talk a lot about AI, but I think it's hard. There's a lot of fatigue, right, in, mm-hmm. in these organizations around cybersecurity. It's always being it's always being talked about, and how do we manage this, and how do we do better. 
Um, so I really feel like at this point for most organizations, I think AI comes into play where it helps to manage these ginormous data sets, right? So we've got a lot of information. Every enterprise has a ton of data about what's happening in the enterprise, what's happening in their networks. And how do you get a person to collate all of that and figure out, yeah, you know, I've got a threat. Or I've, I've been told I have a threat, but do I take this threat mm-hmm. um, seriously or not? And then what do I do about it? And I think, you know, that's really where simplistic interaction with AI, I think, is, is sort of the future and is going to pay off um, in, in an ongoing way. Yeah. I agree. And I'm so glad that you brought up AI because we are very excited about it here at Powbox. How else do you see it specifically help, helping the healthcare industry outside of being able to detect these threats? Or do you, do you see it as helping with large data entry from like a, uh, like a collections agency or an insurance agency or even someone uh, like a company like yours? It's a two-part question in my mind. So I kind of, I split this up from a pure IT network hardware, you know, whether you're on-prem, cloud, hybrid, whatever question. And then the other part I think about it is, um, you know, all the data data points, the clinical data points that we have available to ourselves. So Mm -hmm. I think um, from the infrastructure standpoint, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that first, I think a lot of folks in healthcare specifically or in health IT um, have thought, well, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't gone to the cloud. I'm on-prem. I've got this ironclad security. I don't need to worry. Um, but, you know, we've had breaches. Folks have had breaches. Um, and I think that has been a wake-up call for a lot of folks that you, know, you, you kind of feel like you're, you're off and you you're just feel really comfortable in what you're doing. But regardless, we hear about breaches every month, every day, mm-hmm. in fact, these hefty fines. So I, I think that connecting the dots and, imb- and using AI to help you connect the dots more quickly so that you're not um, sort of wasting time figuring out what is the issue, what should I be doing, um, or, or in, in a way, what should my uh, infrastructure be doing um, in, a, in a, using AI, right? Mm-hmm. So how does AI help us to be more self-healing in the infrastructure? And I think that's the piece that I, I feel like we're, we're starting to see healthcare embrace. Um, and come out of this, well, you know, I'm on an island on my own. No one can attack me. Nothing can happen. And I think folks have woken up to, that's just not true. Absolutely um, and, not. <laughs> yeah. And we need to, um, you know, leapfrog in my mind, you know, to, to where fintech and others are. Because um, healthcare and, and healthcare uh, infrastructure and, and uh, companies have definitely lagged, are, are laggards. I agree. Um, and healthcare information uh is worth more on the black market than any financial information is. It's true. It's true. And I think that's that's the other piece, you know, that it's it's um, the sensitivity of our data and mm-hmm. levels of compliance. And healthcare has been used to having, you know, lots of compliance. Um, most organizations I've worked in and, and I've got, you know, internal audit teams that are looking at different areas where, um, you know, we're, we're following good processes and, and ensuring that we're compliant in a myriad of ways. Um, there's a lot of oversight typically, but again, it's, you know, AI helping the end user to figure out um, what is actually happening. But the key to adoption is explainability to me. You know, tell the user, why does my security think this is a threat? Why does my app think this is a threat? And help us to stack that into this is this is why we think this is a threat and what and then what do we need to do about it? Um, because what I what I see oftentimes or seen in the past oftentimes is um, a single a single piece of information. You know, your software is out of date. 
um, okay, well, I'm going to update my software, well, but this is still a threat because there's actually other pieces of information as to why you know this particular server um, needs more than just a software update. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's that explainability is something that is lacking um, in AI today. Not grande. I don't want to make this like broad broad <laughs> statement. I think, it's, I think it's been evolving, and I think mm-hmm. folks folks are adopting to it. The key is the interaction layer with AI. So you can have great models, you can have great AI all you want, all day long. But if the interaction with the folks that are using it um, and the capabilities of it to you know, serve that information up is not really seamless and really useful, I think it ends up being disregarded. Mm-hmm, um, I agree. You lose the benefit of, of all that you've done. I agree. If your technology isn't easy to use, easy to implement and transparent, like people understand what doing A gets you to B, gets you to C, then they're not going to use it if they don't understand it. Um, I'd like to go back to um, a little bit ago, you were saying that you've worked in companies that have internal audit departments. How could you see AI helping with an audit for maybe HIPAA compliance or a high trust CSF certification or something that is very applicable to the healthcare world? Yeah, I mean, I think so. A lot of a lot of internal audit departments, you know, it's sort of manual processes, procedures. You, you you've created a PNP, and then you showcase how you follow your PNP, and that is it's kind of outside of the realm necessarily of IT, um, where you track and document. You know, I'm sending messages that are um, encrypted, et cetera, and here's the documentation. But I think it's more about detection um, mm-hmm. in. In internal in the internal audit world and how they can leverage um, detection methodologies that go outside of the user showcasing. Well, this these are the ten steps I take because you know again we're humans we're prone to error. How can we use AI to detect and prevent um, something going out the door? As an example, that you know is not not going out securely. That's not HIPAA. That's not compliant according to HIPAA and getting that detection and prevention again and interfacing that with an internal audit team to say, look, you've had, you know, five instances of this. Um, how do we work around this? What were the root causes of those instances? And how do we create, how do we adopt our policies? Because, you know, the, a lot of the policies remain stale until and unless an event happens, mm-hmm. right? And then when the event happens, it takes hundreds of days to solve for the event and then get to the root cause of the event. And, and then you, you're essentially patching from there. Mm-hmm. So You're not being proactive. Um, you keep saying that it's really about the language that you use and how you explain the technology to uh, your audience. How would you explain to the rest of your C-suite the value of, a, of, of any cybersecurity stack, but specifically one that in, would include AI? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's really about what we as humans can consume in terms of potential incidences and being able to do quick analysis. Because I think how AI really helps in the cybersecurity stack is to be able to take multiple points of information. And the key here is rapidly, rapidly, Mm -hmm. rapidly, um, and come up with what the potential threats are, um, and what needs to be done about those potential threats. I think if we don't rely on AI and we don't start to more heavily rely on AI, there's a couple of things. You know, AI is as good as the feedback as well, right? So you want to keep you want to keep feeding um, you want to keep feeding that model and you want to keep growing that model. It's a learning model. Um, so I think for the C-suite, you know, the value is that you don't have to have lots of employees to be able mm-hmm. to manage this. Um, you don't have to have you know somebody watching twenty four seven. 
Um, instead, the value of AI is that that's really what it's doing for you. It's not to replace people, but it's really to augment um, and make us more efficient in, catch, in catching threats, make us more efficient in healing those threats, um, and make us more proactive in, mm-hmm. hey, you know what, this is a threat, and we need to figure out what we need to do in, in, in order to prevent, detect, you know, for this threat as well. And I think, you know, in today's world, it's sort of an easy sell. Like we're all, you know, short. It's hard to get tech employees. It's hard to get employees. And this is big news headlines today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's easier to, to say, look, you know, if you've got something that augments humans, makes them more efficient and secures your enterprise that much more, it's, it's to me... Um, a real value add to to any C-suite. I agree. And I think it is a a cool sell to future employees. Like, hey, we have this because we want you to come in and do the best of your ability. We don't want you to be bogged down with activities that an AI could do easier and faster and at a better rate. Uh, So I'd like to talk about how you approach cybersecurity in uh, your company. Y'all are very client-centric. How does that affect the way that you vet and implement any of the security solutions that y'all have? Um, for us, again, you know, it's it's looking at you know zero trust, um, but I think zero trust can have some side effects, right? Mm-hmm. The side effects of zero trust tend to be that you end up requiring a lot more authentication, a lot more revalidation of of users, um, and being client centric, you have to find the middle ground there with um, how do you implement other other things so that. Um, it's again seamless to the user. Mm-hmm. There isn't a the user having to remember, you know, 500 passwords, and because again, that's that's like a security issue in and of itself. Yes. Right? So how do you take how do you take being a customer centric organization and still having zero trust? And I think the answer there again, I keep coming back to this, but I, I believe this in my product world and I believe it in the infrastructure world is ease of use in any yes. client-centric organization is make it simplistic, make the interaction as simple as possible. And, you know, that's something I love about Pawbox, actually, and why, you know, as an organization, we selected Pawbox um, was because the interaction to our customers, our custodians is simplistic. They mm-hmm. don't have to click around and, and you know, mess around to, to figure out what they need to do next. It's all there for them. Um, it's secure. Um, we can trust it, and and I think that's that that's the key. That those are the kinds of solutions we're always looking for. Those are the kinds of solutions we implement, and we're really thoughtful about how we implement them and what it means for our customers. So I think just being thoughtful of that interaction, and that's why I love Powbox so much because you just send an email and you just open it in your in your Gmail account. There's like no additional steps. It's fantastic. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about cybersecurity in general. You have given a lot of us a lot of great information, but October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. What have you found is the most valuable cybersecurity tip that you've learned over the course of your career? Uh, I think it's, you know, and this kind of feeds into everything we've said earlier, but I think it's looking at updating and keeping your software up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very easy to sort of fall fall out of date with your software. I mean, I think even when you think about as simple as something as simplistic as your iPhone updates, right? Um, or your, you know, your Android updates, you end up kind of falling behind. I'm, I'm going to get to it. But when you think about an entire enterprise, um, I think really creating a regular schedule, having 
um, your IS team ensure that updates are going out and that that software updates are happening. Um, I think ends up to me is sort of one of the the, the better tips. There's, I mean, there's dozens, but I think that's one of the better tips mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. So, as a woman in tech, do you have any advice for women specifically looking to get into technology or any other STEM industries? Yeah, and I, I think you know I didn't start out in tech. Right. And Mm -hmm. I I wanted to get into tech. Um, I started to see that I had affinity for it. Um, You know, I learned to code um, and I got into an organization that I I was open with them. Like, this is the trajectory that I I like to take. And I've I've taught myself to code. I I don't think I code very well, but I know how to. Mm -hmm. Um, Knowledge uh, is power. Yeah, exactly. I asked a lot of questions. You know, Mm -hmm. I think when you're trying to break into something, ask questions, look for, look for people who are willing to help you and mentor you and go into an organization that wants you to grow um, and, you know, be open and honest about what, what you know and don't know, you know, within that organization so that you can grow the skills is what you'll end up finding is that you're pretty passionate about some areas um, and not as passionate about others. You know, you may, may say, well, I really like um, to be a, a, a tester instead of, you know, a coder, or I really want to go into product management. Um, and that's, that's exactly what, what happened to me is, you know, I sort of leapfrogged into product management from there. Um, but having that baseline of knowing how to code, I think really helped me be a better product manager and understand how to build products. You don't need to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for women, when you're going in, um, there's this misconception that you need to to know every single thing and you don't um, ask a ton of questions um, and then become a subject matter expert in some things, you know, learn some things really, really well. But again, ask lots of questions. I, I did tons of questions and um, people are willing to share their knowledge, you know, t- to be honest. And I think lastly, build connections in your brand. So, um, you know, as people leave organizations, con- continue to stay in touch with them as you talk to other folks, you know, you, you think I'm on this podcast, but I'm actually very introverted. I think most people <laughs> in IT are. I, I constantly network. I reach out to folks. I have conversations. Um, I want to know what people are doing, what they're working on. You know, how do I how do I take what I've learned from them um, into my organization and do better for my teams and with my teams? So I, I think networking is key and building your brand. So build your brand. Um, let people know who you are, what you're good at. Um, what you like to do and, and, you know, get out there, do these kinds of podcasts. I think, I think that's, that's really important for women in, in this, in this career. So in this field. That is uh, some very wonderful advice. Thank you so much, Sue. I really appreciate it. For more information about email AI, Powbox, and why we think it's the future of healthcare cybersecurity, head to powbox.com slash blog. Our next Zoom social mixer is tomorrow, October 28th. If you'd like to attend this free networking event, please email me at hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at powbox.com. This event is a chance for you to get advice or opinions from others in the industry about email encryption, cybersecurity, and so much more. Every episode of Hypocritical is available on powbox.com or via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hypocritical. I'm your host, Hannah Trum, signing off.